All right, and welcome back to Bringing Grace to the Nation's podcast. Like I said, I'm your host, and I am so excited to be joined today with uh, by, with Pastor Matt. We are going to be discussing a little bit about the Seven Arrows Bible Study Method. And uh, Pastor Matt, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure. Yeah, so glad to be here. Yep, appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, we're, we're, I am so excited. This has been a, a Bible study method that has been a huge part of my ministry over the past few months without really like even planning on it. But it has been so influential for my students. And so I just kind of introduce yourself, T- take a moment, introduce yourself. And then why why did you come up with Seven Arrows? What was kind of the influence behind that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Matt Rogers, I pastor a church in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm a Furman uh, graduate, and uh, that's uh, here here in Greenville. So my wife's a North Greenville grad, met and married in the area, and have been here since, did a master's from Gordon-Conwell, and then a couple of degrees, MDiv and PhD at Southeastern, and then made our way back to this area. We started a church 10 years ago, and I've been pastoring it uh, since, uh, teach church planting at Southeastern still, and dabble in uh, writing and speaking on themes around disciple making missions church planting uh throughout north america and you said kind of you know, kind of backdoored your way into seven arrows using it in your ministry context and in many ways like i i backdoored my way into developing the tool like that was never never my purpose was to create something or write a book or uh do any of that we just man we're swinging at, at trying to uh, reach people with the gospel and see yeah. people come to faith and make disciples here in the church. And, you know, I'm, I'm a young pastor, planter, uh, kind of recognizing the value of tools and, and particularly like sticky tools. And uh, so we had a young man come to faith in our church, baptized him, did kind of the, the typical like, hey, here's the study Bible, wish you well, you know, it, hope it works out right. for you. And uh, and, and uh, thankfully, I had a relationship with this guy, so we're meeting and uh, having some conversation uh, weekly at IHOP. You know, we're, we're, <laughs> we're meeting, he's reading through Romans, and he'll come, and, you know, we'll, we'll order, and then he's peppering me with questions. New believers, so he's real hungry for God's Word and super encouraged by that, but, man, he's all across the map. Like, right. super confused, and Romans is complex anyway, and so he's just... And reading got all kinds of questions, so I walk back to my truck and I'm flustered because I, I mean I did a real poor job of of helping him. How can I be more helpful? And I had a napkin from from my op, uh still, so I'm like I, I just doodled some some arrows. Interesting. And, uh, on a dinner napkin, like hey, if I was if I was helping myself read the Bible, you know, 15 years ago when I came to faith, what what would I what did I wish somebody had done with me? Like, what's the right order to be asking questions in? Right. How, how can I develop some questions that would be like useful in any part of the Bible that you come to? So those arrows, like ultimately kind of fast forward became like, I originally doodled six arrows and then put them in order that made sense. Then I added one after some, some thought and reflection and then just kind of used it and discipling Garrett, you know, we we're just kind of walking through Romans using the arrows and it's like, Hey, this is really, really cool. It's helpful. It's sticky. You know, kind of right. remember it after you do it a little bit. And, um, yeah, and then kind of the rest is history, man. I just, like, I started using it to disciple some other people. We are using it in our church. Some other churches were grabbing it. We sent some missionaries, and they are like, hey, we're going to use that thing when we go, you know. That's uh, awesome. To, you know? And so it's just kind of taken on a life of its own. Yeah, that, that's incredible. That's a really cool story. And I'm sure for a lot of people possibly listening, maybe you've encountered the Seven Arrows at some point in time. Like, for, for example, I just kind of came across them 
through the curriculum that our church decided to use to yep. uh, disciple students. And so maybe you're familiar with them, but if not, uh, Matt, would you mind sharing a little bit? What are the seven arrows? And then maybe uh, a short description about each one. Yeah. So if you, uh, so we can post some, some show notes or something yeah, with, for with, sure. you know, with, with, uh, with web, uh, you, you, so you can, you can dig a little bit deeper. We put together some, like just simple bookmarks and video stuff and all, all that kind of jazz, but just, um, real quickly, uh, arrow ones, uh, basically each arrow comes with a corresponding question. So the arrows meant to, meant to be kind of a sticky icon to, Hey, here's the, here's the first question I would ask when I come to a pastor's scripture. So arrow one is, uh, circular error that asks like, uh, what does the passage say? So the goal is just simply, can I summarize the passage in like one coherent sentence? Um, think kind of a tweet. Can I, right. can I pick, if I was tweeting this passage, what would be just kind of the summary in my own words? Second error is a backward facing error. What did the text mean to its original audience? So there I'm, I'm asking questions about context. I'm trying to get the readers to, uh, to live the, the text. Like what would it have felt like to be like an invitee to the project? prodigal son's coming home party or what would it have like what would your experience have been if you were Hosea's best friend you know right that kind of like what, what does it look what, what would it have felt like to be in this scene for the first time I think we we tend like Westerners tend to read the Bible with our brains more than with with all of our senses so I'm trying to get people to kind of step into the Bible and, and get a sense of what what the audience would have felt as they were living these scenes and then right. uh, error three upward error what is the passage uh, tell me about God what does it show me about the Trinitarian God how do I see God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit on display in this passage how do I see his character and actions attributes demonstrated here fourth error is downward error what does it teach me about humanity what does it show me about mankind and there i'm really trying to tease out um questions both of like value worth dignity like we're created in god's image um man we're entrusted particularly indwelt by the spirit we're entrusted with so many gifts and abilities that we can leverage to bring god glory but also uh thinking how is uh human sin on display in this passage so I mean, the reality is none of us are really creative with our sin and so when we um experience uh the grumbling israelites in the wilderness in the old testament we see like that's a very much a mirror for us yeah, we see our absolutely. own grumbling and complaining and yeah, so I'm I'm trying to train readers to think, hey, how is how is just common sin on display in this biblical text? Um, then error five is the um, outwardly facing error. What does the passage demand of me? What am I supposed to do? Um, again, having some order here is really helpful. So you know, I don't want to ask that question first, like right? right. Like I'm deriving my application based on some really good uh, Bible stuff. Like what does the passage say? What was God's intent uh, in this text? And then asking what does it uh, the text want me to do, but I also try in my discipleship to, to get people to reflect on like more than just hands-based application. I think the application of the scriptures is as much like what, what we're to believe. Uh, how does this passage shape my heart? Uh, and, and then asking questions about how it shapes my hands. So right. like, famously, we think of like the Matthew six passage where, uh, the exhortation is, uh, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow's got enough, uh, worry of its own or enough concerns of its own. And you think like how many times have I tried to apply the passage? Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Right. That didn't go all that well. But if we look before that in the text, we see Jesus is like trying to train his hearers to say, no, notice how God cares for the lilies of the field and the birds of the heavens. How much more does he care for you? So then 
Don't worry. So, so the text is starting with like shaping my mind. Like, what do I think about God? And then that works its way out to some very tangible applications. So, um, want want to think holistic application there. Fifth, yeah, um, six is the is the back and forth arrow. Uh, how does it shape the way I relate to other people? This is the arrow that I didn't have. Uh, originally, uh, when I uh, in the dinner napkin uh, conversation, okay. I, I, but uh, I added it because I, at least my context in leading a church is we tend to read the Bible very individualistically. Like, what does this mean for me? What do I do with this? And we don't tend to have eyes up for how does every passage shake. Uh, my relationships, obviously with family, those relationships, but with the church, like how, how does, how do the one another's of the scriptures infuse how I relate to other people in the church? And then evangelistically, missionally, like how does it, how does it press me to declare the glory of God to the nations? Like, so training people to think um, outside of themselves when they're reading the Bible is really important. And then the last arrow is, um, kind of a, a, a smiley face error, basically, that, that asks the question, how does this passage prompt me to pray? Mm, so I want to, to train readers to derive their prayers from the scriptures um, and uh, to, to really be able to pray specifically, particularly with younger Bible readers, when prayer can become like just kind of vague cliches. We don't really know what we're saying, and we tend to say the same thing each time that we pray. Right. When we start to like pray the scriptures, we're able to say, no, I just saw this in God's word, and now I'm able to to ask God to do these things in my heart or, 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 or in my mind as a result of what I've just seen in the scriptures. And at least in my experience, um, Bible reading and prayer, these twin tower disciplines, they really run together. And right. so particularly if I'm discipling teenagers, I want to get them to lock those disciplines in step as early in their spiritual formation as possible. So Bible reading and prayer really run, run in tandem for the rest of their lives. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. And there is a article on the gospel coalition's website that has explanations on all the errors. I'll make sure to link that with, you know, a short description with, uh, all the explanations of the arrows, but that's, that's a great synopsis. And with this idea, I mean, this is transformed from just kind of a discipleship tool into a full fledged, I feel like set of resources. I mean, you have devotionals and journals and curriculums, and, uh, you also have put together a seven arrows study Bible, uh, which I found really interesting. What was kind of the, the motivating factor behind putting together a, uh, a study Bible that had some of the seven arrows ideas implemented inside of it. Yeah. So the, the thought was when I, when I first came to faith, I, I, I came to faith at, at 20 was, was really on a, a, a church staff or in significant leadership role uh, within about 18 months. Not, 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 not the scenario that I would recommend for, yeah. for everyone, <laughs> maybe not the best idea for me even, but was given an opportunity to teach and lead. And, uh, and so I was, I was preparing to go in and teach the, the, the teenager what I was seeing in the word. And I would read a passage. And at that point I was listening to, uh, to, to a brother uh, who's uh, pastoring a church in Texas and uh, I would listen to him teach the text. I was getting ready to teach the students. And I remember being so incredibly frustrated. Frustrated because I would, I would read a passage. 
I would do my own personal reflection and then I would listen to him teach the text and it felt like a magic trick. Like I was like, how in the world Hmm. is he seeing those things in the Bible? How is he making these connections? How is he bringing this thing to life in a way? Like, what am I missing? And yeah, so then you fast forward to like, now I'm a pastor, I'm preaching week in and week out. And for like three weeks, it feels kind of good for somebody to come up at the end of a sermon and say, man, that was like unbelievable. Right. I don't see how, you know, like you unlocked this magic code to the scriptures. And then when you do like a bit of reflection uh, in light of Ephesians 4, my task is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Mm. Like if I become kind of this functional mediator for people to meet with God in the word, then really I'm not doing, I'm not doing the work that God's called me to do. Like I want to equip them as best, they, uh, as best I know how to, to meet with God, to hear from him, to understand the author's intent in the scriptures to make these connections to the overall theme of the Bible of God's redemptive plan to save sinners and fix the world through Jesus Christ. Like I want right. all people to do that. Yeah. I don't want it to feel like a magic trick. So, so the purpose with the study Bible is kind of branded a how to study right. Bible. And that was really like the, the, the creative impetus for me and, and spending the time developing something is uh, to, to like, to expose the secrets behind the magic trick, you know, it was like, right. Hey, let me show you like how we're using these arrows. Uh, so we took about 200 of the key, uh, texts throughout, throughout the, the meta narrative, like key transitional passages, right. big themes, big junctures. And I just, uh, you know, in the call out blocks and the margins, I uh, just used the seven errors to kind of journal how I would reflect on that biblical text. Mm. And then in another uh, 1,500 or so places, we took single arrows. So, you know, here's how this passage prompts right. me to pray, or here's what this passage shows me about God. And the effort there was to show, like, yeah, holistically, how can how can these errors be applied to any genre, any passage of Scripture? And then also to help readers, you know, who may be discouraged because they've, like, double down on their commitment to a Bible reading plan for the last four years. They they don't make it out of numbers, you know, and it's like, oh man, this is like, feels so arduous. I don't know how to make these connections, but to spend time in those passages really showing like, Hey, this, this is all connected. We're able to use these errors. Yes. This passage may feel a bit more cryptic than some other texts. It may be more challenging to make connections, but you can do it and having some sticky tools that help them, Oh yeah, that makes sense. I see how he did that. Now, um, my hope was it's just kind of like a how-to guide yeah. for reading the Bible well. Yeah, that's good. And I think like even practically for me, seeing seeing students in small group uh, just like follow the structure of curriculum, answering questions with like yes or no answers really isn't effective, and it doesn't teach our students how to read the Bible. But this gives a really practical layout to teach students and people how to navigate the scriptures and and gives them the right questions to ask and something that's been really beneficial for me personally is is watching my students learn how to read scripture for for the first time for a lot of them but also it's teaching me how to make my my teaching and my sermons more relatable and more practical for my students so that they know they know where I'm drawing this from so that when they go to the text they're pulling the same thing 
that I'm pulling from on Sunday mornings. And so I think this is something that is beneficial for both people who are learning to read the Bible and people who might be discipling someone or might be in a, in a teaching setting. I think this is something that, that is huge. Um, Yeah. And and it seems to me at least that, that once we, so we just did a survey in our church and the average age of our congregation is 29. So we got a really young, really, but, but even at that, like if you've, been in the church, if you've uh, been connected for a length of time, kind of in your mid-20s or, or aging out of that, there's a certain like uh, insecurity with saying, you know what, I, I really don't know how to handle the scriptures well. Like, right. I'm, yeah, I'm leading a youth Bible study, or yeah, I'm, but man, really, I'm kind of in scramble mode week in and week out, or I'm dependent on... Uh, these devotional tools that are that are again becoming kind of functional mediators between the the biblical text right. and the reader, and so my hope was just to say, hey, let's take this and, and with the marketing, even of the Bible, it was originally kind of designed to be a, a student uh, Bible, and then the more time we spent with it, it's like. Hey, let's kind of spread that out a little bit because the reality is we've got a lot of people in their late twenties, early thirties frankly, in their mid-60s, you know, been passive church attendees for a really long period of time, and they they amen sermons, but come Monday morning, they really just don't know how to sit down and and meet with God from His Word. And so, yeah, I mean, that's my hope is just, hey, this equips the broader church um, to, one, know how to to relate with God from His Word, and then, two, if we're going to task them with the responsibility of making disciples, man, formative to that is developing other people who can read the word well yeah and absolutely. so if you're a student ministry leader and you're tasked with making disciples of the next generation like what's your primary responsibility well one of those has got to show up like in the top three is helping students read the bible yeah. right like just helping them understand uh god's word so for sure yeah absolutely and being able to do that Away, like when the students at home during the week like building that is so crucial and i mean we've been hitting on this the, the whole time we've been talking, but what are some, like, why is a practical tool like this beneficial? Like, yeah, yeah. Why is it beneficial? I think we've hit on it a few times, but like, what's the thing that makes this really useful in our discipleship? Yeah. So I've got a, I've got kids ranging. We've got five children. Uh, my oldest is 12. My youngest is five months and uh, they do, you know, various school curriculums and they're all predicated on these uh, like sticky songs. You know, they're memorizing the history of the world and it's like a 57 minute song. It seems like Jeez. And my four year old, <laughs> because there's like, the, the, there's, there, there's a beat, there's a cadence, there, right. there's something like there, the, the lines become uh, memorable. And yeah, she, she doesn't know the history of the world. I should know all of what she's singing, but it provides scaffolding that she can grow into as she ages. And I think we tend to complicate disciple making in the church. Like we, and so, you know, go read uh, these massive volumes on hermeneutics and there's value in that. We want to provide uh, tools and seminary training for, for certain individuals. And I, I think there's, there's great value in that, but there's also great value in having simplistic tools uh, that sure. kind of bring the donuts down to the bottom shelf for, for us all. And just say like, this is formative to all of our maturation. So learn how to do it and learn how to do it in a way that's going to be sticky and um, something, again, that you can you can layer with more complex things as you age and as you mature. But um, 
don't try to do like the LeBron, you know, back pass or like master the layup drill and uh, right. get that really, really solid. And then as the Lord develops you, as your spirit matures, then there's going to be opportunity for these other resources to be uh, to be incredibly helpful. Another thing that that I think is value in mentioning with tools, I, w- I was talking about the insecurity of Bible readers, but another reason in developing this is we're we're kind of uh, prioritizing within student ministry just the role of family discipleship. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, right. Like so, it's the responsibility in the home for for these themes to be taught. But I'm just consistently stunned by how. Uh, how many, you know, just parent, like they would affirm that. Yeah, yeah. I'm the primary discipler in my kid's life, but practically they just don't know where to begin to do that. And so a tool like this, I think, you know, Wednesday night at the dinner table or Thursday morning at the breakfast table uh, to put in a parent's hands and say, like, here's just, here's something basic that you can do uh, that's going to help you develop as a disciple of Jesus, but also uh, help you really fulfill what you know you should be doing, which is discipling your children. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think the more practical we can get with families and with students, the the more likely they are to dive into this and and really you know find the depths that Scripture has for them. I think I think that's huge, and it's something that I've experienced personally in my uh, time in student ministry. So. Figure I'm a 22 year old listening to you talk about seven arrows and I'm interested. I want to get my hands on some of this material. Where do I go? How do I get my hands on this? And um, yeah, plug us in with some of that info. Yeah, so sevenarrowsbible.com is kind of the landing page that we created with a lot of the resources with um, you know, as you as you mentioned, just the the diversity of products that have developed uh, along those lines. I'll be, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of uh, bashful about some of that, honestly, because I'm like, ah, I don't. Uh, that that was never uh, never some of the prominent intent was to create something that was going to have a product line around it. Right. But um, like seeing and, and man, I think this is like the real value of resources is when it's. When it's um, when it's tools that's helping fulfill the Great Commission, like when you're seeing disciples made and uh, formed, then that's something that we can be proud of and, and get behind. And so on the website, you know, your, your uh, links to the Bible, links to we, we wrote uh, uh, kind of a, a guidebook that basically the, the image we use in the introduction is we just wanted to illuminate the, the path that the arrows provide in this in this written tool and so it for people that are using the arrows to disciple others is meant to be kind of a uh, how to study the bible textbook or tool trade book that can be used there's a simple journal that you can grab that can be used in any section of scripture i'm really probably the thing that that encourages me the most is at the bottom of the website there's um probably 20 different languages that oh wow um, you know that that uh, the errors have been translated into, and and all of that has been uh, emails from just random missionaries. You know that are yeah. like, "Hey, we stumbled upon your thing. That's awesome. And we're, and we're using it, and could could we translate it? And we're like, yeah, but let's throw it on the website so that somebody else can grab it. Yeah, and, for sure. And use it. And so, uh, yeah, I mean that that provides a really great landing place. And then there's links on there to some other um, related discipleship tools that I've built uh, over the years. And um, we've done some 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 teaching conferences. You know, primarily the ability to go into like 
trainers that are using, so like a student ministry group that's using this tool and uh, do a one-day training seminar for them or a weekend workshop for a church around themes of how to study the Bible. A lot of churches do a winter discipleship conference or those kind of things. So we've had a lot of fun coming in and uh, trying to uh, communicate some of the, the beauty behind just a, a study tool. And, and I would just kind of like conclude by saying like my, my, my aim isn't um, my method or my tool, uh, but it's that, that people are feasting on God's word. Yeah. Like, you know, for, for me, just the, the awakening that came when I started to see the unity of the scriptures, the centrality of Jesus Christ and the word, the way all of these minor stories connect to this beautiful macro story that God was writing of his plan to fix the world and save sinners through Jesus Christ. Like, the, the beauty of that became so rich to me that I'm like, man, if, it, I, if I can get that in the hands of others in a way that they love it, feast on it, prioritize it, then if it's our tool, great. If it's some other tool, fine. Just develop something right. that's going to... Uh, that yeah, that's gonna give you this appetite, uh, appetite for God's word. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much. I think I think this is this is something like ever since I've stepped into ministry, um, and even just been studying at seminary, I- I've realized just the benefit of resources that make accessing the depths of scripture really practical. And I, I feel like Christians, we study the Bible, like we're, we'll hear the word taught on Sunday, but like we really struggle taking that next step of application um, and implementing something practically into our lives. And this really, this really helps you take that step, whether you're a family, like you said, sitting around the breakfast table Thursday morning, or you're a small group leader, or you're just discipling someone one-on-one. I think this is something that that can really help you take that next step if that's something that you're struggling, uh, struggling to find or, or take. So I really yeah. want to recommend this product, and um, just this this has been something that I have seen in practice over the past semester, um, and so I can't speak any any higher um, about just seeing what God has done through through this. And so, Matt, thank you so much for taking time out of out of your evening and, and spending it with me and talking to some of our podcast listeners. Is there anything, any plugs, any last things that you want to mention about maybe where people can find you on socials? Uh, do you have a website or anything about Seven Arrows? Yeah, I think, I mean, man, I'm so, so pumped. Thanks for taking the time. I mean, again, that's, that's been my aim is the more I can equip the church to be about the work of disciple making and the more I can encourage to that end. So between the stuff you've mentioned of the the article in the Gospel Coalition site and some of the stuff I've done that gives the readers or listeners plenty of access to, uh, to me. And if I can be of service to anyone um, in the audience would be happy to do so. Really appreciate your time as well. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Pastor Matt. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks.